Hey, thanks for joining us for another message from the City Church. We're a local church in Mississauga, Ontario, gathering in community as we move closer to Jesus. We hope this message from our lead pastor, Brent Coulter, encourages you wherever you're joining us from today. Thank you for joining us today. Our worship team did an amazing job today preparing the way. I'm just going to echo some of their sentiments, um, just spend a few moments with you today. The title of this message is A Thrill of Hope. And if this is, if you're part of the City Church family, thank you for joining us today. If you are not, thanks for joining us as well. We are here every Sunday at thecitychurch.ca, and then sometime in the future we'll be able to meet again in person. But thanks for hanging out with us for A Thrill of Hope this morning. Um, like Ellen mentioned, the lyric uh, in the famous song there, O Holy Night, is the thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. And this is just one amazing lyric in a bunch of famous Christmas songs that just tells us something about the meaning of Christmas. And we reference the meaning of Christmas all the time or the spirit of Christmas and, and what it might mean. And here's, you know, uh, maybe a little lesser known prophet, Dr. Seuss, and he says, maybe Christmas doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas perhaps means a little bit more. We have so many traditions in and around Christmas time and what the story of Christmas would mean, and especially the Christmas story brings hope to our lives. Now, hope, biblically defined, is not just like a wish. You know, we kind of think maybe about 2020 was like, well, I wish, I just kind of hope next year is going to be better. But biblical hope is not like that. Biblical hope is a joyful, confident expectations. Let's just pray today. Father God, we are so thankful for your word today. We are so thankful for the hope that the Christmas story brings, the hope that you coming to the world brings to our lives in a real, intangible way. And we want to reach out for that hope today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, we have so many familiar traditions in and around Christmas time. You know, sometimes you maybe drive into your neighborhood and you sort of see somebody that's, you know, the starter and they've already got their Christmas lights up and you sort of sense, you know, something in the air or somebody will post on social media that they've already got up, you know, their Christmas decorations and people were racing to get up their Christmas decorations this year. And, you know, the, the decor that we put out, it, it provides some sort of countdown for us. And and what it would also provide for us, especially this year, it would provide for us some sort of comfort, some sort of steadiness. And we know uh, also at Christmas time, Christmas is all about comfort food. Can you think about your favorite comfort food that you might eat in and around Christmas time? You know, my grandmother used to make this, some version of, it was like carrot sugar pudding of some description, and then on top of it was like some sort of whipped cream infused with more sugar. And I just have this uh, memory growing up of every Christmas time eating this, and it just always brought, you know, comfort to us. And that's what traditions bring to us. They settle us, and they connect us to something. And when we, when we think about all of the traditions in and around Christmas, that they're always, they're always speaking to us of something more. 
we're putting up lights, there's some sort of brightness happening. There's lights mean something. And the decorations that we put out and the togetherness uh, that we're able to experience, they all represent something to us in and around the Christmas story. And hope is one of those themes that we see in the Christmas story. It is such a necessary thing for us. Uh, you know, hope is not an optional thing for a healthy person. We need hope in our lives. We need hope to survive. Because if we don't have hope, and we've seen this this year, you know, it's very easy to fall into despair or hopelessness. And really that makes us think there's just no way out of this situation. There's no way out of the circumstances. When we look at the setting of when Jesus came to the earth, the advent of Jesus, and really that word advent just means the coming of Jesus, there was this long period of time, this intertestamental time, but it was about 400 years since the last Old Testament prophet. And the children of Israel were struggling, and, and they were thinking maybe God had forgotten about them, that they were God's chosen people to bring the Messiah, but they had been struggling for 400 years, no prophet. And the, the realities that they were facing, that they were living in Roman-occupied territories, there was war surrounding them. There was religious pressure. There was sickness. There was poverty. The circumstances surrounding them were very different, which led to very specific inner realities, fear, uncertainty, frustration, despair, and a lost sense of purpose. And so the world that they face specifically in that time when Jesus was coming to the earth is very similar to the world that we're facing now. All of these realities surrounding us that could lead to something that's happening on the inside of us. Now, the Caesars would try to make announcements that would help, you know, the people at that time. And in the story of Jesus, we see Caesar Augustus, that he called for the census. Now, Caesar Augustus, an actual Caesar in history, he came after another famous Caesar, Julius Caesar. And so the story of Jesus is actually set in a real time and a real place, and one of the things that, would, uh, that the Caesars would declare specifically in this time was something called Pax Romana, and that just means the peace of Rome. And what that was promising was a peace that the state would provide or peace that the government would provide. Oh, we live in Rome, and so that we're going to actually experience peace, that we're not going to have as many wars because the government is going to provide something for us. And this, in the midst of this time, the children of Israel were actually living in Roman occupation. So even though the government was promising them peace, it wasn't necessarily a peace that they were experiencing personally. And in the midst of all of this turmoil, in the midst of all of this chaos, the announcement of the Savior came. Vicki mentioned it earlier, Luke chapter 2, verse 10. It says this, coming to the shepherds. It says, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. So salvation was presented in the midst of chaotic circumstances. And this is why the Christmas story always brings hope to us. In the midst of a fragile world, in the midst of difficult circumstances, this is where the announcement of salvation shows up. And then God will always take action to save His people. 
So it is this idea that the Messiah is coming, the promised Messiah, the prophesied Messiah. Hundreds of years before this moment, prophecies were given by Old Testament prophets that the Messiah would come and He would be born in this specific place. So here was the time, and then here was the announcement. So what does the announcement of the coming Messiah mean? Does that mean the occupation is over? Does that mean that everything that, even though that Rome is promising peace, that we don't actually experience, and that something else would be promised, but we're not actually experiencing it? When the Messiah showed up in the middle of this time, does that all mean that everybody, all of the wars go away, and no one's experiencing sickness and disease, and no one's experiencing poverty? Let's see what the angel announced to Joseph. Matthew 21 verse, sorry, Matthew 1 verse 21 says this, And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So here the Savior is going to show up. And two very specific things here are mentioned to Joseph. The first one is he is going to save his people from their sins. You know, when we think about this idea of sin, maybe we kind of think it's like an antiquated, you know, situation, or maybe it's an antiquated word. It's kind of a religious word that people try to make other people feel guilty about sin. Really, the word sin is an archery term. It just means to miss the mark. And all of us actually believe in sin, and let me, let me prove it to you. You know, if you think about Christmas shopping, normal Christmas shopping years, uh, when you would go into a store and the store would be packed, and let's say you were lining up in this store and there's, you know, everybody's close and packed together like back in the day, and we were all lining up, you know, like, you know, cows in a line, and we, we had our stuff that we needed to buy for our family and friends. Now, could you imagine a moment you maybe waited about 20 people in front of you, and you get to the front of the line, and as you get to the front of the line, somebody cuts in front of you? How do you feel in that moment? Are you thinking, yeah, this is okay? Or are you thinking, this person missed the mark? In other words, this person sinned by stepping in front of me. And then when that person steps in front of you, they get called, you know, to the next cashier. And then just at that moment, as that person who cuts in the line in front of you gets called to the cashier, one of the employees walks in front of you and says, you know, sorry, we're closing down this cash. You're going to have to go to the kids section. After waiting a while, maybe 20, 30 minutes, and you look at them and you might think you might want to say some choice words, but you think it's Christmas time and I want to do the spirit of Christmas, so I'm not going to swear at this employee. And so you wander over to the kids section and you get to the kids section and there's another 30 people in line. In that moment, you think, this is okay. This is normal. This is how world should be. No, you are thinking, this is a sinful situation. This is missing the mark. This store is missing the mark. So we all actually believe in sin, even though we don't necessarily like the word sometimes. It's just this idea that we could miss the mark as humans. Now, it's very easy for us to measure when somebody else misses the mark. When somebody does something like what I just described in the store, cuts us off in traffic or steals our spot at the mall. It's very easy for us to identify, and this is a constant practice in our culture right now, to identify when other people sin. But here is this statement that the Savior is going to come and He's going to save His people from 
their sins. It's so easy to criticize other people and the ways they miss the mark. But if we're honest with ourselves, we miss the mark always. We, we come up short. We don't always do the right thing. We don't always say the right thing. And then we make so many mistakes. We fall short of the glory of God, the Scripture says. And so what's going to happen in that moment? That The Messiah is going to come, and He's going to save us from our sins. See, really, it's not just other people that are the problem. We also should humbly say that I'm actually part of the problem. I, I miss the mark sometimes, too, so I, I need a Savior. And thank God, one came, and so we have hope. We have hope now for all of our mess-ups and our mistakes, and then we have hope for eternity for God to make up the difference, and God offers us forgiveness. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 says this, for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins, the ways that we miss the mark. God offers us forgiveness. The culture we live in today, people are writing off people all of the time. Somebody makes a mistake, this, you know, we're going to write them off, we're going to cancel them. See, but God never cancels us. He always sends the Savior. God offers us forgiveness in this brand new kingdom. And this is the kingdom of God where the, the Messiah rules. The second thing that we see here when the Messiah comes, He will save His people from their sins. And then it also said this, God is with us. And this is the thing that truly gives us hope for today. When we think about being with God or God being in our presence, you know, when I was growing up, I have a very distinct memory of, you know, being pretty young and walking beside my dad. And when I would walk beside my dad, instead of holding hands with him sometime, I would hold his leg. And we would walk together, and I would be holding, you know, the top part of his leg, and I would walk with him. And I have a very distinct memory one time of walking with my dad somewhere. I forget exactly where it was. I was pretty young. And, and we came across a dog. And this dog made me super nervous. So what did I do? I just stepped behind my dad's leg. And then I peeked around to maybe look at the dog. And then in that moment, I reached out to pet the dog because why? I was still holding on to my dad that I knew my dad was with me and that he was going to protect me regardless of what the dog would do. I'm holding on to his leg and he's there. And so in that moment, it gave me some courage. It gave me some hope that I could deal with this dog, even though maybe a little bit of afraid, maybe a little bit afraid because I knew my dad was with me. And because I knew my dad was with me, a couple things, I knew it was going to be okay. And then the second thing is I knew I was going to be okay. See, this idea about Jesus coming to the earth, about Jesus, uh, you know, God in Jesus, what does it mean? God with us. And so in that moment with my dad, it's not that the dog went away, it's not that the opposition went away, and not, it's not that the struggle went away in that moment, but I was able to deal with the struggle because I knew my dad was there. See, and this is what the message of Christmas is all about, this reality of what Christmas might mean and what all of the decorations might mean and all of the traditions might mean is this really meaningful and powerful thought 
And it's a thrill of hope that God is with us. And it doesn't mean all of the circumstances change in that very moment. I just know that the one who's the strongest is with me. I know that the one who is always there, he will never leave me or forsake me. He is there with me, and I can reach out and deal with anything in that moment because I am holding on to him because he said that he would always be with us. See, we live in a broken world, and we are going to face brokenness, and we are going to face struggles like we have done this year. But this promise that God is with us should always bring us hope. See, God is good, and His ultimate gift to us is Himself, that He is with us. See, we, we always need to come back to the source. See, this year we've, we face disconnection, that we haven't been able to be with the people that we love the most a lot. And we've been disconnected with our friends and disconnected with our coworkers. And we didn't realize how important connection was, I think, until this year. But what is the ultimate connection that we need in our lives? The ultimate connection is to be connected to our Creator, to the one who came to save us, to the one who would promise that He would always be with us. See, we need to be connected to the source of life, the source of life. Psalm 42, verse 1, and the psalmist works through this same struggle for us. It says this, as the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God, the longing soul. See, at the end of a year like this, We've faced a lot of stuff. We've gone through a lot of stuff, some more than others. And what, what is our, our soul longing for in this moment? Well, you know, I just, I, just need, I just need good principles or I just need good ideas. Well, you know, good principles and good ideas are wonderful. But really, our soul longs to be with our Creator. He says this in verse 2, My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Now listen to verse 3. My tears have been my food day and night. Well, they say to me all the day long, where is your God? The tears, the, the stuff that I've gone through, the stuff that we've struggled with this year. And they all, all speak to us, and they're all saying, where is your God? And once again, Emmanuel God with us. We live in a broken world affected by sin. But in that moment when we are facing those things, we know that God is always there. I'm holding on to Him, and I can reach out and face anything that's coming against me, and I don't have to be afraid. I know that it's going to be okay, and I know that I'm going to be okay for now and then for eternity because God is with me in the midst of my tears. This is when I need to remember this. Verse 4 said, These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in a procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Verse 5, now listen to what the psalmist says. Why are you cast down, O my soul? 
speaking to himself. And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. See, our hope is never in the circumstances that we face because they're going to be there and they're going to confront us and they're going to produce fear in us. We're not sure what to do and it's going to create uncertainty and maybe some despair. But I know that God is always with me and I am holding on to him. So I am venturing out. I am venturing out to the thing that caused me to be afraid. And then through my tears, I know God is with me. See, the greatest thing that he gives us is himself, that he is with us all of the time. Romans 15 verse 12 says this. See, the Apostle Paul is referring here in these verses that we're about to read the spiritual significance of Jesus coming. Verse 12, and in another place, Isaiah said, the heir to David's throne, talking about Jesus, will come. And he will rule over the Gentiles. They will place their hope on him. Not religion, not just good ideas, not just good principles, but our hope is on him. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now listen to the message paraphrase of the same verses. There's the root of our ancestor Jesse breaking through the earth, growing tree tall, tall enough for everyone, for everywhere to see and to take hope. See, God can cover us all. He is the Savior of all. God sent Jesus for all. Oh, may the God of hope fill you with joy, fill you up with peace, so that your believing lies filled with the life-giving energy of the Holy Spirit will brim over with hope. See, in that moment when I was facing that dog, it was, made me nervous and I ran behind my dad, but I was also able to reach out and move forward. I was brimming with hope because I knew my dad was with me. For the rest of 2020 and for 2021, we are going forward regardless of what it looks like, regardless of what we face, regardless of what comes our way, we know that God is with us. And so our hope should brim over. He's big enough for all of us to depend on. We can reach out to him and he is there. Doesn't mean all of the circumstances change in one moment. But I have somebody that I can hold on to that will help me and give me hope. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 17 says this. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope that is set before us, that joyful, confident expectation, not just a wish, not just a want, 
but I have a joyful, confident expectation of the future because God is with me all of the time. We have this, verse 19, as a sure and steady anchor for the soul. A hope that enters in the inner place behind the curtain, and that just means where the presence of God is, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. See, traditionally, religion to us can just seem like a heavy weight around our neck. We're not understanding the gospel. We're not understanding what it means that the Messiah came. We're, we're not understanding then what it means that he's setting us free from our sins and then he will be with us. See, this idea, this notion brings us hope and it is an anchor for our soul. See, instead of our relationship with God being some sort of heavy weight, it is actually supposed to be the weight that we hold on to when the storm comes. See, if you think about a boat, what are they going to do? They're going to anchor. Why? They're going to anchor so that the storm doesn't blow them away. So where is our anchor? Where is our hope? Our hope is set in Jesus, not shifting sand not changing circumstances, but we have a hope for our soul. He came to save me, and he came to be with me. Let's just pray today. Father God, we are so thankful for your word today. We are so thankful that you sent Jesus to be our Savior, to be our Messiah to be with us. God, we just take a moment to think about that, and it should fill our hearts with hope that we don't have to face the rest of this year alone, that we are not alone. Whatever comes next year, we know that we can hold on to you and we can continue to reach forward and move forward because we know that you are with us. God, we set our anchor in you, not just good ideas, not just good things, but our soul longs for you, God, our creator, our savior, God, we thank you again for sending Jesus. Hey, if you are watching this morning or today, whenever you're watching this, and you have never taken a first step in your relationship with God by saying yes to Jesus, just like the angel told Joseph, he provided a way for us to be separated from our sins. God wants to be with us. So the first step in our relationship with God is just by saying yes to Jesus, the salvation that Jesus provides. We don't have a relationship with God because we're perfectly moral and super good because we aren't. And we can't create some sort of religion and offer that to God and say, okay, God, can you accept me now because I'm super religious? No, the only way for us to have a relationship with God is to accept the gift of Jesus. 
to say yes to the relationship God provides. So I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you have never said yes to Jesus, you pray along with me today. Wherever you are, just bow your head and close your eyes. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he came and he lived a sinless life. That you sent him to the earth because you love me. God, I thank you that you raised Jesus from the dead. God, today I call you my father. Jesus, I call you my Lord. God, I purpose to follow after your ways and turn from my own. I thank you for salvation today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen in. Be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for other messages. For more content from The City Church or to connect with us, visit us at thecitychurch.ca or find us on Facebook or Instagram at citychurchgta. Thanks again for joining us.